I'm Denzel Muhammad, and this is Jobmakers. Jobmakers is a weekly podcast produced by Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston, and the Immigrant Learning Center, a not-for-profit that gives immigrants a voice. Every Thursday at noon, we explore the world of risk-taking immigrants who create new jobs, products, and services in Massachusetts and across the United States. The idea of the American dream is alive and well, especially outside of the United States. People around the world of every age consider this the land of opportunity. But once you get here, everything will be all right. But there are obstacles in the way. Immigration status, discrimination, access to money and resources, having a community to support you, learning English, to name a few. For Hilda Torres, an immigrant from Mexico now living in the Boston area, she was promised the world of riches in the U.S., the land of opportunity. What she experienced, though, was not quite nice. Nonetheless, she used the tools of education and her own grit and determination to power through. And now she runs My Little Best Friend's Early Learning Center in Malden, Massachusetts, one of the most successful businesses in the city. This experience is not unique, but immigrants and refugees have that defining quality of grit, determination, and resilience, as you will hear about in this week's Jobmakers Podcast. Hilda Torres, welcome to Jobmakers. So glad that you uh, had taken the time to speak with us. Tell us a little bit about the business that you run. Um, I, I run a business it's called My Little Best Friends Early Learning Center, and we are um, in 3D4 Main Street in Malden. Um, my, my Little Best Friends Early Learning Center is a, is a family-oriented um, facility where we care for infants from two months old um, all the way to five years old. Um, our center has a very big diversity of teachers and kids as well. Um, we are in the center of Molden, and we have families from all over the world, you know, that come, come into our facility to bring their, their little ones. So Molden is actually the second most uh, immigrant-heavy city in Massachusetts after Chelsea. Oh, wow. And I know that before the pandemic, you had um, over 100 students from more than 25 different countries, right? That's correct. Yes, that's correct. And we were really proud about that and also very proud that we have teachers that they were bilingual and, and we were able to communicate with most of these families just with the staff that we have over here. And, and it just makes it so easy for the transition, you know, when you come from your country and you don't know what to expect and have someone that is able to speak the same language um, that you speak back home, it's just, it's just so much, make you feel much better. So the Immigrant Learning Center also, through our English language program, we have students from all over the world in the classroom. And it's, it's amazing to see just the diversity that exists in one classroom and how they get along. You know, it's really a lesson on integration and assimilation and learning other cultures and 
and being prepared to, to be an American. So I think, you know, the idea of all these children and parents and teachers uh, learning from each other, being able to speak other languages is really uh, pretty awesome. Um, and I know you say that being able to be bilingual is an asset and you teach your children, uh, the children in your center, what is it, five different languages? Uh, yes, the, we, we teach the kids English, Spanish, sign language and Mandarin. That we, we teach them for different language. And the kids, they not gonna master the other three language. They gonna speak more English than anything else. But when you have a child and you are able to, to teach this child different language, what you are doing is you, you are putting all this information in the child's brain. And, and, and the child's brain is gonna be able to accept all these different information and all these different languages. And once this child goes to public school, this child is gonna have a better opportunity to communicate with other kids. You know what I mean? So it, it's just very important. It's very important for us as a parents to be able to get our kids to expose, not only to different language, but to a diversity of people, you know, because you are just open this broad uh, window of opportunities for these families, which that's why we are here. You know, because we want our kids to be able to succeed, to be successful in everything that they wanted to do and be able to get our kids exposed to different language. That's, that's just the greatest tool that nobody's going to be able to take away, ever. That is so brilliantly said that they'll never be able to take that away from them. And I love the idea of growing up uh, with a love of other languages and wanting to learn other languages. Um, and you, we think of this very globalized world where we're interacting with people from everywhere for different reasons. And, you know, having an understanding of other cultures, other countries is really, really important. Um, but your journey to the U.S. really started all the way back in 1965. Um, tell our listeners, first of all, what life was like for you in Mexico. Most people in America probably don't have a sense of what uh, that is like. And your journey to the U.S. So uh, my my dad he emigrated to to U.S. Um, since 1965, and, uh, and my dad was a really hard worker, as long with other members of our family that they came over here. And uh, my dad he usually sends us money, you know, um, every month to be able to support us in in Mexico. Uh, my dad she was alone taking care of seven kids, you know, sending these seven kids to school and everything. Um, I don't say that it was difficult because definitely it was other families that they were in a worse situation than us. But not having a parent around you is, is an impact that it created us to become, to be the person that we wanted to be, that we wanted to become. So my dad usually he come to to Mexico once a year uh, for Christmas or, or or for the school vacation, and he stayed in Mexico for about two to three months. At the time, my dad didn't have any legal status over here in in America, so he has to pay what is called a coyote to bring him from Mexico over here. And and the stories that he tells us about everything that he has to pass through every year that he has to come back uh, to, 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 um, to Los Angeles, back and forth to California. It was just really difficult. Like 
even to right now to think about it, I think that was the most cruelest thing that you can do to a person when you have an helicopter flying on top of you and you are so skinny that the that the that the air from the helicopter make you go around and around. You know what I mean? It's it's just it was just really difficult. And every time that they have to pass the border, they have to pass the border from different places because they don't want to get caught. So every every time that they go through that adventure, they, it was risk and it was fear and it was all these different emotions. But then at the same time, it was the hope that they're going to be able to come and work for nine or 10 months and be able to provide shelter and food for their family back home. So my dad helped us. Uh, my dad was able to give us education. We were able to go to school and everything. But as soon as my brother started became, become a little bit older, so then my my father went and, and bring my first two brothers. Uh, when they came to America, they were about 14 to 16 years old, and they didn't have papers at the time. So they also have to cross the border with my father or with another member of our family to come over here to America. Luckily, after that, my dad was able to get the green card because it was uh, something that is called amnesia. It was an amnesia for people that they were working in California on the, on the, on the, um, collecting the fruits and everything. And once my dad uh, fixed his le uh, legal status, so then my dad bring my mom and then start bringing other, other, um, people from our family. And myself and my other, yeah, my other sister, we stay in Mexico because at the time we were married and we were not able to qualify for the same status as my other siblings. Because once you are married, you, you belong to a different status. So we have to stay there for a little bit longer. Uh, back in Mexico, I was a beautician. I have like a little place where I cut hair and I, um, and I do people's, um, you know, haircuts and colors and all this kind for the beauty. And, and one day my mom came to visit to Mexico and she saw that she saw that I have a large amount of clients. And I noticed that she was really quiet, you know, and very centered on her thoughts. And after I finished with my day, she told me, if I had an idea how much money I can make if I was doing haircuts right here in Boston. At the time she was living in East Boston. And, um, and when she did the math, you know, my eyes, they went like those coin machines when you go to play bingo, you know, or, or something like in my eyes, like I couldn't imagine the math, you know, if, if I can make 20 haircuts in one day and every haircut costs $10, just imagine the money that I'm going to be making, which in Mexico, I charged what it, it was about what, 25 cents. And, and a lot of times I did my haircuts for free. Because a lot of times people, they don't have money to pay for haircuts. So once my mom put all these thoughts on me, I start talking to my husband and, and my mother-in-law and thinking, how can we make this transition? Uh, and how can we make it happen so that way we can go to Boston? And yes, for a year. We only wanted to come for a year. We only come to make a large, big, big amount of money to be able to go back to Mexico and the same to have this small salon at my mother-in-law's house to be able to have a location, a real big salon with employees and everything. So what we did is we start uh, working with the papers so that way we can we can get our passport, our, um, our visa, our visitor visa, 
and then we sell everything that we own. Because in one year, I'm gonna be able to come back to Mexico and I'm gonna buy everything new, you know, with all the amount of money that I'm gonna be making. Uh, in one year, I'll be able to come back, buy a bigger house and, and buy better furniture and, and better clothes and, and, and everything better. Hilda Torres packed up suitcases and with her two young children and her husband, moved to Boston. But it was not the American dream that was waiting for them. Instead, it was a much harsher reality. It was a tiny apartment in East Boston where her parents and other siblings already were living. They cleared out a closet and put a bed in there, and that's where she and her family slept. And she also had to deal with immigration issues. Being just on a tourist visa, she couldn't work. She had to regularize her status. She had to find employment. And that's where the real trials and tribulations for her began. We couldn't find a job. I couldn't find who watches my kids because everybody in my household was working. And obviously nobody's gonna leave their job so that way they can take care of my kids so I can go to work. And, um, and nobody wants to give me the opportunity because in order for you to be able to be a hairdresser or to have any other profession that you master in your country, when you come over here to America, you need to have the license and the certification from the place that you come. You know what I mean? All my license and my certificates and everything, it worth nothing, nothing over here. You have to do everything all over again from doctors and surgeons all the way down to beauticians, right? Everybody, everybody. And, and in order for me to be able to go to school, I need to learn the language. If I don't, learn, if I don't speak English, I'm not gonna be able to go to school and learn the theory of any career. You know, it was it was just really, really difficult. And every time that I found a door that it closes on me, I always think, is this was the right decision? You know, putting my family in this situation, is this is the right decision? You know, to be able to come in and um, put my family in a situation, and in certain situations, because you don't know when your immigration papers are gonna come out. You know, you make you submit the application today, but for a lot of people, it takes months or years. You know what I mean? And, and then to learn the language, language. Then every time that I was in school, I was I was sitting down in, in the classroom and I'm thinking, who's watching my kids? What what time am I gonna go home to cook? What time am I gonna put my kids to bed? Like it's just it's just so difficult when you are older to learn a different language. You know what I mean? It's just it's just really really hard. It's really hard. But it passes. It passes. I went to school. I learned the language. I I went to um to my first beauty salon that I went to apply in, and they say we don't give opportunities to wet bags. We don't give opportunities to wet bags. You need to go back where you came from. They were Spanish as well, but they called me a, a way back and they didn't want to give me the opportunity. And I told them, give me a good... They were, they were, they were Hispanic as well, you said? Yes. Yes. And yes. Where, where exactly was this? Uh, that was in Chelsea. That was in Chelsea as well. That was in Chelsea as well, but they didn't want to give me the opportunity. For people today to think about Chelsea and East Boston, the way you're describing it, is really, really hard to to digest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was tough. I told the owner, 
to let me work for a week for free. I just wanted to show her what I, I was capable to do. I was already going to school, but I didn't have my license yet. Because in order for you to have your license, you have to have experience. And in order for you to have experience, you need someone to give you the opportunity to be able to gain that experience over here in the USA. I, I have the experience back home, but that was not enough. And, and she told me to go back home. She told me to go back home. Um, she didn't want it to give me the opportunity. Then from there, um, I feel really deflated and humiliated. And, and I didn't want it to go back and ask another person for a job, you know. But I was really lucky. A couple of days after, I went to a different salon. And um, in this salon, they were Colombian. And um, the lady who gave me the opportunity, she she saw me and, and I tell her that I have two kids, that I have no job, that I was living at my parents. I explained to her the whole situation and she gave me the opportunity. She gave me the opportunity. She gave me the week that I was asking for to show her what I, skip, what I was capable to do. Because back home, they, 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 when you go to school, they show you like the whole entire enchilada. You know, it's not like you only gonna learn how to cut hair or have to do nails. No, when they when you go to school back home, they teach you everything around it. You know, so I I was able to show the owner of this salon that I was capable to develop any any work that it was coming to the place. And um and she gave me the opportunity. And and we become to be one of the most successful um parlor shop in Chelsea back on the days. Like we have so many customers, uh, we work every single day and, and it was a business that then all of a sudden it just bloomed. Not only for me, but I was able to get other girls that they were going to school at the same time that I was going and tell them, you know, in this place, they can give you the opportunity for you to come in and take your experience. And, um, and, and we were able to do really, really good. I was working in that beauty salon for about nine to 10 years. But while I was working in the beauty salon, I noticed that most of my money was going to childcare because I have, I still have four kids, you know. But when when this happened, I already have four kids, two older ones that they were going to school and two little ones. And in order for me to be able to be success, successful in the beauty salon and to work long shifts, I need to be able to take my kids to a place that they were able to take care of my kids. You know, so most of my money, it was going to childcare. And it wasn't making any sense because I was working long hours, leaving my home for long hours, not taking really good care of my kids or my family because I was at work, but my money was going to childcare, you know? So um, the, the owner of the center, which was my sister's friend, because my sister was the director of the center, they told me that if I come to work in this center, I can get a discount of my kids and um, education. And, uh, and even if I only work part-time, you know, I can I can always have um, a discount. So I just started working in this, in this daycare only part-time. And my job, because my, my language was really bad, I didn't speak very good English. I was not familiar with early education, which a lot of people think that when you work in daycare, it's just like if you are, like if you are a nanny and, and it, there is such a big difference when you are working in an early education center, you need to be able to teach these kids other stuff. 
So I went there and I started only doing diapers and, and, and cleaning. That was my only job. I was not allowed to talk to the parents, not allowed to do anything in writing or to do any teaching because I didn't, I didn't know. And I started working in this center little by little. Uh, this, this, the owner of the center, her name is Stacy. She gave me the opportunity to go to school. So I was working at the beauty salon, going to Burger Hill to be able to learn more English and to be able to learn early education and working a part-time at the, at the daycare. So what was it that made you want to get into this kind of business? So mm -hmm. you went from the beauty salon to the, the daycare. You were learning English. You decided to pursue an associate's degree in early childhood education at Bunker Hill. That's and right. But it's, it was not just about the love. It was about making, uh, uh, being able to support your family. This was a business decision, right? Right. So then your cousin came into the picture. Yes, my cousin Gerardo came into the picture. He, he was working in construction at the time, and he has some money saved. And he wanted to invest in something that makes a difference. So we talk about it. I tell him about um, my dreams and my goals and, and what I wanted to be able to make a difference in life. And he really liked what I, what I, what I exposed to him. I wanted to be able to have a facility where we, first of all, we are bilingual. So when we can teach our kids, our generation of kids, is Spanish. So that way, our kids, they are able to communicate with their families back home. You know what I mean? But also, we wanted to create a facility that it was affordable to middle-class families. We wanted to create a facility where we know everyone by name. And when we're able to offer the family environments that you don't see in a chain facility, because in a chain facility, you see a director, you call her, and the director, a lot of times, is not even there. You know, we wanted to create a family environment, but we also wanted to be able to create a place where we can offer opportunities to working moms like, like me to be able to better their life by having a job and at the same time that they are still taking care of their kids at home or their husband. And it was, it was not something that it was easy. Uh, most people, when we came, that we have our business plan, and that we explain like our dream, the same way that I explain to you, uh, most people, they laugh at us. First of all, because we were Spanish, our English is not the greatest. Um, I do have a lot of experience in, uh, in education. However, I'm, I don't have experience on owning my own business. My cousin, um, he didn't have that experience as well. So most people, they told us that this dream that we had is gonna turn to a nightmare because there is no money in early education. You know, there is no money in this industry. Early education is an industry where there is really not much that you can, that you can grab. And it was, it, it was really difficult. I cannot count to you how many banks deny us to give us the opportunity to give us the, the, the loan for us to be able to open the business because we are starters. And, and most banks, they don't, they don't let you borrow money if you are started. You need to be established at least for 15 months in order for you to get to get a loan. You know, it was just really hard for us to to make someone to believe that what the dream that we have, it was something that it was tangible. It was something that people is looking for. 
how were you able to finally get it off the ground and why did you choose Malden? Um, we chose Malden, honestly, it was because every time that I was going to work, it was this sign that it was on my way that it says that Malden is a great place for your kids to grow. For some reason, me seeing that sign every single day, it was, it was a sign that, that Malden is gonna be my home. We, thankful, we found a bank that it was able to believe in us and they were able to give us the money that we needed to be able to afford such a beautiful facility with, like the facility that we are right now. It was a couple times that we were outside of City Hall thinking, you know, is this was the right decision? Because it was just so many times, you know, that we get uh, the doors closed right on our face. But um, one thing that immigrants have is that we we don't take no for an answer. Every time that we that someone say no to us, we go again and we go again. You know, immigrants, it just takes us so much to get where we are, you know, that we are not willing to to just let the fight without like really, really getting into, into it. We were open for a couple months and, and we have no business. We have no business. Like I always tell this story where I we need to pretty much rent a couple kids so that way we can we can have the mayor to come and read a book because we need to have a minimum of seven kids and we only have three or four kids. So we tell our employees, bring your kids for free to the daycare so that way we can we can have a small group of kids. So this way the mayor can come in and read a book to the kids. And um, back in the days, we have four to five students. And before the pandemic, we have 117 every day. We were at our fullest capacity. How, very briefly, how has the pandemic affected your business? Well, as, as you know, um, childcare has been, has been an industry that has been suffering even before the pandemic, through the year, childcare is one of the industries that um, it's for say a problem, but nobody wants to recognize that there is a problem, you know? Uh, so even before the pandemic, a lot of childcare, they were, they were struggling. Now with the pandemic, there is a lot of centers that they closed the doors forever because they were not able to afford to stay open. You know what I mean? My little best friends is, is lucky to have a community that support us and, and we are able to still stay in business. But definitely pandemic affect my little best friends a lot because we are not back to our full capacity. Before the pandemic, we were open from seven o'clock in the morning until six. Now we are only open from eight to four. And this is a huge inconvenience for working parents because they need extended hours in order for them to be able to go back to work. Uh, we can only have our capacity right now is 71 because the Department of Early Education changed our ratio. So before we used to have 36 square feet per child, now we have 42. Before the pandemic, we have 30 plus uh, employees. Right now, we only have 21. I want, I want you to reflect a little bit as we wind down the interview about your father and the decision that he made and where your family is now versus where they would have been if he had never decided to, to hire Coyote and take him across the border to start working in, in California. Um, 
what do you think of, of that decision on his part? And how do you feel about your family, the majority of them living and working and getting educated in the U.S. now? Um, my, my father, he made the greatest decision to sacrifice himself to be in a way from his family to come to this country to better his family. Uh, my dad, he is a very hardworking man that taught us, that taught us to work. And when we were back home, uh, we have to, we have to work. No matter what, um, I remember my first job, I, I have to put my knees and top to a chair to be able to wash the dishes because I was too small to be able to, to wash the dishes. But, um, but I was at work and I was able to help my mom. I think one of the greatest things that my dad did for us was to teach us how to work. I have my business, as you can see. So my other two brothers, I have a brother that he owns a, a trucking company. I have a brother that he owns three restaurants. And, um, and I will say that all my brothers and sisters, they are very um, successful in what they do. But the greatest heritage that we can give to our kids is to don't be afraid, yes, because you are immigrant. Don't be afraid, yes, because you don't have a legal status in this country. Don't be afraid, yes, because you don't speak the language. What you need to do is you need to work, you need to work hard, you need to show them that you are not here to steal nobody's job, that you are not here because you are a killer back home, that you are not here because you are a bad person that comes to this country to steal from somebody else. You know, the immigrants, our job is to be able to show people the, the really true image of what we are and, and what we are doing here. And we are just a very hardworking people. My last question to you is going to be sort of like, what message in this particular climate do you have for Americans when it comes to immigrants? But I think you just, you answered that question for me right there. Uh, immigrants come here to work. They want a better life for their children. They come with real intention to get something done, no matter how, how long it takes, no matter what avenue that is, you know, someone with a PhD from India driving a cab, um, things like that. Um, and that is a really truthful and a really powerful message uh, to send to uh, the rest of America about who immigrants are and what they can do and, you know, their inherent value. We all, everyone, U.S. born and foreign born, want the same things. We want healthy children. We want them to do better than we did. Uh, we want success for our families. Uh, it's all the same. It's all the same. Uh, Hilda Torres, I wanted to say thank you so much for making the time to be interviewed today on Job Makers. I really appreciate it. You have such a powerful story. Um, and just thank you so much for all that you do for Malden and beyond. No, thank you so much to the Migration Learning Center to give me the opportunity, and especially you, Denzel. Um, you are uh, one of the greatest persons that I know, and you are always willing to help people. And it doesn't matter from one country they are, you always can a hand to, to us. And, and I really, really appreciate that, that the opportunity to be able to share my story. If you like what you're hearing and want to hear more of it, become a JobMaker sponsor. Or if you know an outstanding immigrant entrepreneur, 
let us know by emailing Denzil, that's D-E-N-Z-I-L, at jobmakerspodcast.org. Hilda's story was certainly inspiring, and we're so happy that you joined us for this week's episode of Jobmakers. Join us again next Thursday at noon. I am Denzel Mohammed, and thank you for listening to Jobmakers. Jobmakers.